0: Welcome to my fellow pre buddhist on a journey. Welcome to our next interesting episode of When Things Fall Apart, Hard at Bodies for Difficult Times, by the wonderful Renow, Pima So hello to everyone. Marahala Bikas, Bikis. That everyone is having a beautiful day today, no matter what you may be going through. But enjoy the day because it is beautiful. And it's a place that's raining like here in Ohio. So, anyways, uh, as you guys can see the title, this very moment is the perfect teacher. Yes, it is. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And you guys are gonna find this episode very interesting. I mean, all the episodes are very interesting and very knowledgeable, and it's always good to grow your knowledge as much as possible. So let's get into it. We're gonna start off today by saying just, uh, you know, wobble through your head a little bit. Make you, make you use your senses this, this morning. We can meet our match with a poodle or with a raging guard dog. But the interesting question is, What happens next? So stop and think about that for a minute. We can meet our match with a poodle or with a raging guard dog, but the interesting question is, what happens next? Generally speaking, we regard discomfort in any form as bad news, but for practitioners or spiritual warriors, people who have a certain hunger to know what is true, Feelings like disappointment, embarrassment, irritation, resentment, anger, jealousy, and fear, instead of being bad news, are actually very clear moments that reach us where it is that we're holding back. They teach us to perk up and lean in when we feel we rather collapse and back away. They're like messengers that show us, with terrifying clarity, exactly where we're stuck. This very moment is the perfect teacher, and lucky for us, it's with us wherever we are. Those events and people in our lives who trigger our unresolved issues can be regarded as good news. We don't have to go hunting for anything. We don't need to try to create situations in which we reach our limit. They occur all by themselves with clockwork regularity. Each day, we're given many opportunities to open up or shut down. The most precious opportunity presents itself when we come to a place where we think we can't handle whatever is happening. It's too much. It's gone too far. We feel bad about ourselves. There's no way we can manipulate the situation and make ourselves come out looking bad or good or just looking good. No matter how hard we try, it just won't work. So basically, life has just nailed us. It's as if you just looked at yourself in the mirror and you saw a gorilla. The mirror's there. It's showing you what you see looks bad. You try to angle the mirror so you'll look a little bit better, but no matter what you do, you still look like a gorilla. That's being nailed by life, the place where you have no choice except to embrace what's happening or push it away. Most of us do not take these situations as teachings. We automatically hate them. We run like crazy. We use all kind of ways to escape. All addictions stem from this moment when we meet our edge and we just can't stand it. We feel we have to soften it, pat it with something, and we become addicted to whatever it is that seems to ease the pain. In fact, the rampant materialism that we see in the world stems from this Moment. There are so many ways that have been dreamt up to entertain us away from the moment. Soften its hard edge, deaden it so we don't have to feel the full impact of the pain that arises when we cannot manipulate the situation to make us come out looking fine. Meditation is an invitation to notice when we reach our limit and not to get carried away by hope and fear. Through meditation, we're able to see clearly what's going on with our thoughts and emotions, and we can also let them go. What's encouraging about meditation is that even if we shut down, we can no longer shut down in ignorance. We see very clearly that we're closing off that in itself begins to illuminate the darkness of ignorance. We're able to see how we run and hide and keep ourselves busy so that we never have to let our hearts be penetrated. And we're also able to see how we can open and relax. Basically, disappointment, embarrassment, and all these places where we just cannot feel good are a sort of death. We just lost our ground completely. We are unable to hold it together and feel that we're on the top of things rather than realizing that it takes death for there to be birth. We just fight against the fear of death. Reaching our limit is not some kind of punishment, it's actually a sign of health that when we meet the place we are about to die, we feel fear and trembling. A further sign of health is that we don't become undone by fear and trembling, but we take it as a message that it's time to stop struggling and look directly at what's threatening us. Things like disappointment and anxiety are messengers telling us that we're about to go into unknown territory. Our bedroom closet could be unknown territory for some of us, for others it's going to be an outer space. What evokes hope and fear for me is different from what brings it up for you. My aunt reaches her limit when I move a lamp in her living room. My friend completely loses it when she has to move to a new apartment. My neighbor is afraid of heights. It doesn't really matter what causes us to reach our limit. The point is that sooner or later, it happens to all of us. The first time I met Trungpa Rinchpa, or Rinpanchi, depending on how you pronounce it, was with a class of fourth graders who asked him a lot of questions about growing up in Tibet and about escaping from the Chinese communists into India. One boy asked him if he was ever afraid. Rimpunchi answered that his teacher had encouraged him to go to places like graveyards that scared him and to experiment with approaching things he did not like. Then he told a story about traveling with his attendants to a monastery he had never seen before. As they neared the gate, he saw a large guard dog with a huge teeth and red eyes. It was growling ferociously, or ferociously <laughs> <tongue-tied>, <laughs> and struggling to get free from the chain that held it. The dog seemed desperate to attack them. As Rinpoche got closer, he could see its bluish tongue and spittle spring from its mouth. They walked past the dog, keeping their distance, and entered the gate. Suddenly the chain broke loose and the dog rushed at them. The attendant screamed and froze in terror. Rinpoche turned and ran as fast as he could straight at the dog. The dog was so surprised that he put his tail in between his legs and ran away. We can meet our match with a poodle or with a raging guard dog, but the interesting question is, what happens next? The spiritual journey involves going beyond hope and fear and stepping into unknown territory, continually moving forward. The most important aspect of being on the spiritual path may be to just keep moving. Usually, when we reach our limit, we feel exactly like when Ponchi's attendance and freeze in terror, our body freezes, and so do our minds. How do we work with our minds that we meet our match? Rather than indulge or reject our experience, we can somehow let the energy of the emotion, the quality of what we are feeling, pierce us to the heart. This is easier said than done, but it is a noble way to live a noble way to live it's definitely the path of compassion the path of cultivating human bravery and kind-heartedness in the teachings of buddhism we hear about egolessness it sounds difficult to grasp but what they are talking about anyhow when the teachings are about neurosis however we feel right at home that's something we really understand but egolessness when we reach our limit if we aspire to know that place fully which is to say that we aspire to neither indulge nor repress a hardness is in us will dissolve a hardness in us will dissolve we will be softened by the sheer force of whatever energy arises the energy of anger the energy of disappointment the energy of fear when it's not solidified in one direction or another it's very energy. When we reach our limit, if we aspire to know that place fully, which is to say that we aspire to neither indulge or repress, a hardness in us will dissolve. When it's not soul defied in one direction or another, that very energy pierces us to the heart and it opens us. This is the discovery of egolessness. It's when all of our usual schemes fall apart. Reaching our limit is like finding a doorway to sanity and the unconditional goodness of humanity rather than meeting an obstacle or a punishment. The safest and most nurturing. nurturing I'm trying nurturing place to begin work in this way is during formal meditation. On the cushion, we begin to get the hang of not indulging or repressing and of what it feels like to let the energy just be there. That is why it's so good to meditate every single day and continue to make friends with our hopes and fears again and again. This souls, the seeds that enable us to be more awake in the midst of everyday chaos. It's a gradual awakening and it's, and it's cumulative. But that's actually what happens. We don't sit in meditation to become good meditators. We sit in meditation so that we'll be more awake in our lives. Let me go back to that sentence that I just read. I pronounced that wrong and I'm going to pull back to that. It's a gradual awakening and it's, cumulative but that's actually what happens. The first thing that happens in meditation is that we start to see what's happening even though we still run away and we still indulge we see what we're doing clearly. One would think that our seeing it clearly would immediately make it just disappear but it doesn't. So for quite a long time we were We just see it clearly. To the degree that we're willing to see our indulging and our repressing clearly, they begin to wear themselves out. Wearing out is not exactly the same as going away. Instead, a wider, more generous, more enlightened perspective arises. How we stay in the middle between indulging and repressing is by acknowledging whatever arises without judgment letting the thoughts simply dissolve and then go back to the openness of this very moment. That's what we're actually doing in meditation. Up come all of these thoughts, but rather than swash them or obsess with them, we acknowledge them and let them go. Then we come back to just being here. As Sagil Rapanchi puts it, we simply quote, unquote, bring our mind back home. After a while, that's how we relate with hope and fear in our daily lives. Out of nowhere, we stop struggling and relax. We stop talking to ourselves and come back to the freshness of the present moment. This is something that evolves gradually, patiently, over time. How long does this process take? I would say it takes the rest of our lives. Basically, we're continually opening further, learning more, connecting further with the depths of human suffering and human wisdom, coming to know both those elements truly and completely, and becoming more loving and compassionate people. And the teachings continue. There's always more to learn. We're not just complacent old boogies who's given up and aren't challenged by anything anymore. At the most surprising times, we still meet those ferocious dogs we might think as we become more open that it's going to take bigger catastrophes for us to reach our limit the interesting thing is that as we open more and more it's the big ones that immediately wake up wake us up and the little things that catch us off guard however no matter what the size color or shape is the point is still to lean toward the discomfort of life and see it clearly rather than to protect ourselves from it. In practice and meditation, we're not trying to live up to some kind of ideal, quite the opposite. We're just being with our experience, whatever it is. If our experience is that sometimes we have some kind of perspective and sometimes we have none, then that's our experience. If sometimes we can approach what scares us and sometimes we absolutely can't, then that's our experience. Quote unquote, this very moment is the perfect teacher and it's always with us. Is really a most profound instruction. Just seeing what's going on, that's the teachings right there. We can be with what's happening and not disassociate. Awakeness is found in our pleasure and our pain, our confusion and our wisdom, available in each moment of our weird, unfathomable, ordinary, everyday lives. Powerful today, folks. Powerful today. Awakeness is found in our pleasure and our pain and our confusion and our wisdom, available in each moment of our weird, unfathomable, ordinary, everyday lives. Can I get an amen? Can I get a amen? This is what we're talking about here, folks. This very moment is the perfect teacher. We can meet our match with a poodle or with a raging guard dog, but the interesting question is what happens next? That's in your hands. That's your decision to do what happens next. You can even face that raging head dog straight on forward and face the problem and hold on to impermanency. Because that is the goodness in reality. Because it will bring something. There's a goodness in reality. Whether or not it may seem bad or good. There's a goodness in the reality that you face on an everyday basis. I've learned this myself. I've incorporated into my everyday life at this point, And I am sharing it with you all. For you to incorporate it into your everyday life. It takes step by step. It doesn't happen overnight. And it doesn't happen fast. This is a patient game. If you can be patient to wait in a McDonald's drive-thru for a hamburger and some fries and still get them cold, you can take the patience with yourself, which is more important to self-love. Take that patience and time with yourself to educate yourself further and open your mind. Awake yourself from the deep sleep that you lie in right now, even though your eyes physically seem open. Thank you all so much for joining another episode of this great series of When Things Fall Apart, Hard Advice for Difficult Times by the wonderful Miss Pima children Have a wonderful and blessed day. Stay positive. Stay motivated. Stay happy. Smile. Find that inner child. Ask that inner child, what would the inner child say to what you're saying to them? Your inner child. So sit there on your bed, wherever you're at, and Envision yourself as seven years old, as a child again, sitting in the front of you and ask your inner child, say the following, what should I do about this? And you're going to realize that that inner child is going to give you a simple, easy answer. No complications, no deferment, no excuses, an easy peasy answer. The answers are within you every day, every moment of your life. You just have to take the time to reach that lotus plant that sits within. Find your lotus friends, folks. I talked about this in my other episode. Your lotus friends are there. There might be other lotus friends, but there's a lotus in you. And then there's lotus friends around you. And then you got the head Buddha. When you find them, let me know. Comment. (laughs) Send me a message. But find the inner peace. Don't use unnecessary energy. We need that energy. We need that energy to eat, to walk, to open our eyes, to exercise, to take care of our families and our children. Don't let it eat you up by the negativity. You have to overpower that. Mind over matter. Have a wonderful and peaceful day. May peace be with you all. As-salamu alaykum.